Hello and welcome to the My Breast, My Health podcast. My name is Tasha Gandamihaja and I'm your host and I'm also a breast cancer surgeon. In these episodes, I talk to experts in the field of medicine, surgery, as well as the health and wellness space. But most importantly, I share stories of those who have been affected by breast cancer. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. And if you are a regular listener, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. In today's episode, I am going to be talking to Kath Elliott. Kath was diagnosed with a triple positive breast cancer just over a year ago. And in this conversation, we delved quite deeply into how she coped with her breast cancer treatment, especially her chemotherapy experience, as well as how she coped with her cold cap. Kath describes the strategy she used involving her family and friends that helped her through her treatment, how she came to terms with her diagnosis, and the difficult task of telling her three boys about her cancer. She also shared how her practice of meditation, journaling and gratitude helped her through her treatment and how she has turned a trauma of a cancer diagnosis to something positive and inspirational. I enjoy this conversation immensely and I hope you will too. I would urge you to listen to the end as Kath shares her strategies that she has found useful in helping her move forward. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Kath Elliott. Hi, Kath. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. How are you today? I'm really well, thank you. It's um, it's evening here in Melbourne. I'm from Australia, so um, yeah, I've had a had a had a busy day. I've got three sons who I'm homeschooling at the moment. We're sort of in quite a a, a strict lockdown here in Melbourne at the moment, so it's a busy household. But um, right. yeah, I've I've had a nice day. It's spring, so we've got a bit of sunshine and. Um, yeah, I've been going for some nice walks. So yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Oh no, it's it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Yeah, we were just chatting before we pressed record and uh, you were telling me that you're in a pretty hard lockdown situation in Melbourne at the moment. Yes, we are. Uh, we've been um, in lockdown, well, look, for probably nine or ten weeks now, quite a strict one, and we've still got another six or eight weeks to go. And um, yeah, we were we have also been in a previous lockdown earlier this year due to COVID. So it's it, it's been a really interesting period to um to be, I guess, um finishing off treatment for breast cancer. Um and yeah, it, it's been it's it's been interesting to have started treatment without any layer of COVID and then I'm finishing treatment with with the layer of COVID over the top. Um, yeah, so it, it has been an interesting experience. So this is your second lockdown? It's it's almost our third, to be honest. Oh, wow. um, yeah, we had one earlier in the year in March and then uh, we were sort of then – we went into a sort of a, a lesser, I guess, I guess a lesser lockdown um, for a couple of weeks and then went back into a harsh, a harsher lockdown that then got even harsher. Um, and yes, we've just been told we've got another sort of month of, yeah, where we're at right now. So we won't see many significant changes until the end of October. So. Yeah, I think by the time Melbourne comes out of it, we will have been the country that has been in lockdown for longest and, oh, sorry, the city that, yeah, that's been in lockdown for longest. Um, the death rate here is pretty small compared to the rest of the world. So it's, it's, an, it's, it's interesting and there's a lot of, a lot of people getting pretty unhappy here at the moment. So yeah. we'll see what, see what happens. <laughs> I bet because uh, we're recording this in September and in the UK, we uh, the the lockdown had eased, but now where the new rules have been introduced by the government as of yesterday, um, so because of the infection rates are going up again, you know we're kind of at a tipping point. I think it um it 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 just has made this year another you know following I you know I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 
August of last year. And then, yes, a year later, here I am, <laughs> locked down in COVID land. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, you've had a pretty, pretty interesting year. Um, so tell me, you, you said that you were diagnosed with breast cancer literally just just over a year ago now. How did you discover the lump? Yeah, so I was, um, it was sort of a typical morning for me. I was I'd been at the gym and I was having, you know, I just had a shower, I was getting ready um, to go to work and we'd actually moved into a new house and I'd just bought this sort of big long um, floor-to-wall mirror and I was just standing in front of it and for some reason I I looked down at my breast and I just, yeah, and then I saw that there was this kind of quite large protruding lump there that I had never noticed before. So I quickly felt it and that was when my heart just it literally just I could feel it It fell through my body and I literally had to gasp a breath because I just thought oh my gosh this is not this is not good and it's sort of that moment where you just feel your life changing and I I sort of um I tried to you know calm myself down a bit and go oh you know you should be fine. You had a breast check at the GP 12 months ago and everything was fine. And then um, I yelled down to my husband to come up the stairs and he came up and I said, oh, I feel this. And he's like, oh, that, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a pretty big lump. And so I went, to the, um, I went to my GP straight away that morning and then she referred me to um, the Melbourne Breast Unit and I started a series of tests then that, um, yeah, I had a diagnosis, you know, fairly quickly within sort of a day or two. I was able to have, um, you know, mammogram and um, biopsy and, yeah, so I think I I found the lump on a Wednesday and by the Friday I'd had a a diagnosis of, um, you know, locally advanced triple positive breast cancer and the, 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 the lump was, you know, a approximately six centimeters so it was quite big Mm, quite big indeed and I mean I could feel it and it felt quite hard and quite big as well yeah so my life from that point you know changed so so instantaneously and so quickly and um yeah and then a week after that I I was starting chemotherapy so yeah it was it was an absolute whirlwind I must say so that from the moment of your diagnosis to starting treatment, that was really fast. That was, what, two weeks, did you say? No, it was less than a week. <laughs> wow. That's yeah, great. so I was, yeah, I found the lump on a Wednesday and I started chemotherapy the following Thursday. So, yeah, I, I guess I was still in quite a bit of shock. Um, and even before the chemotherapy on Thursday, I'd had, you know, I'd gone through a numerous scans and tests and I'd had a, a port put in my arm on the Tuesday or the Wednesday beforehand uh, because I, you know, I, I, the, I was having 16 rounds of chemotherapy. So we decided it was best to go with, with having a port. Yeah. yeah. So it really, that week was absolutely um, crazy. And yeah, I look back at it and I go, oh, I just can't believe you know, not only the physical but the emotional toll of what was yes. required in that period of time. Um, I know it's not like that for every um, diagnosis, but for mine it was, there was just, it was so quick. And so, um, and I guess I was also quite, um, part of me just wanted to get started with treatment as well. Once I knew what was required, I just thought, look, let's, the sooner I start and get into yeah. it, um, better and um, look I guess from my perspective as well the type of breast cancer that I had it was fairly the the treatment path and program was was um, it, it wasn't I wasn't going to be given many different opinions I don't think in terms of what was required I could have uh, I mean the only option I could have had was to have had a, a double mastectomy or, or I mean a, a what, what's it called when you just have one breast off a, no, a unilateral a unilateral, yep, mastectomy. Yeah. Uh, but I, w- I was still quite keen to try and conserve my my breast if I could. Yeah. And 
the the targeted therapy that I had access to for the type of breast cancer that I had, uh, you know, had, had a pretty high chance of, um, I guess, really shrinking the tumour, meaning that I could probably have less invasive surgery. So, um, yeah, so I, I started chemo, yes, the, the first round of AC on, yeah, the week after pretty much, yeah, I found the lump. And then, yeah, then I was in the world of chemo and cold caps and all of that. <laughs> so how long, how long was your chemotherapy treatment? So my chemotherapy treatment was, so I had 16 rounds of chemotherapy. I had four rounds of um, AC chemotherapy or DC, sometimes they call it. Um, And then I had 12 rounds of sort of Taxol um, chemo, which I had that each week. And I had had, um, my targeted Herceptin therapy with that as well every three weeks. Uh, so that was over a period of sort of five to six months. So I started that in September and I finished in February. Um, right. And um, I wore um, a cold cap during my treatment, which in, um, I guess, look, a lot of people don't wear them. I, I, I was keen to see whether or not it would work on conserving conserving my hair and it, it did a reasonable job, so I continued to wear it. But, how, do you, um, how do you cope with that, the, the the cold cap? Because, you know, many people have very different experiences with that. Initially, I was, I guess, surprised at I'd been told some real horror stories about it. So I think, you know, the first time I went in and had it, I was, I guess, pleasantly surprised. It wasn't as painful as I initially thought it was going to be. But okay. as the time went on and it was different, when I started chemo because I was having chemo every three weeks so I really only needed to mentally prepare to wear the the cold cap every three weeks so that was okay it was once I got into uh, Taxol when I was wearing it every week that's when I started to find it really um, I just think mentally the load of it all just got started to get a lot for me I had a couple of times in that sort of round of chemo where I just I just felt the cold cap really mentally I had a battle with it I start my head I just yeah I just started to really feel the the um the cold headache oh, and yeah and I, I didn't really like to take the um the tablet either there was a they we were given like a good like a relaxant sort of tablet but that yeah. used to make me feel really woozy and not right. great and if I had people with me at chemo I could hardly speak to them so um I ended up I, I sort of found a happy medium where I took half a tablet and that sort of took the edge off the cold calf <laughs> but meant that I could still converse with with my you know with the pe- with my support crew which was really great but um yeah I found look everyone has their own sort of it's their own choice in terms of whether they like to have support people at chemo but I yeah. I sort of enlisted my close friends to come and family to come with me to chemo each each time and we'd all wear something bright and colorful okay. and, oh, that's, that's, um, that's nice. yeah made it uh, a bit of a well because I, I love bright colors I'm a real uh, that's sort of my um I guess trademark a lot of my friends okay. know me for I, I wear bright colors and makes me feel happy so that was oh, I decided I well, I decided when I started, when, you know, chemo started that I was going to wear beautiful bright T-shirts and just try and lift my mood a bit. So my support crew came in and did that. And, look, it was actually a really, it was a really nice thing to do. I had some beautiful photos of, you know, all of my friends sitting sitting with me with whilst I had my beautifully attractive cold cap on. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> Oh, that's a really nice thing to do with your with your close you know close friends and family that's really nice yeah look it really was for me I felt it made me feel supported and it also I think it gave my family and friends a way to support me that felt really good as well yeah. so um and look, look, it's not everyone's thing to come into a hospital and, and be there because it can be quite confronting. But for those that wanted to do it, I was really open to them and really wanted them to be there with me. 
and it made me feel yeah more connected to them and I think also it and, and you know the feedback that I got from them was that it gave them a window into the experience that they never would have had and it made it a lot more real to see what I was going through and what the treatment was and the fact that I was sitting there with a cold cap on my head with a you know uh, and you know an infusion in my arm and all of that kind of thing and so yeah I, I I look back on that on that chemotherapy time with um, a lot of affection for the love and support that I had from my friends and family, it really meant a lot to me, and it helped. It really helped me stay as positive as 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 I could during that period. And not to say that chemotherapy is easy; it definitely isn't, and it requires you know a lot of yeah, just a lot of focus. I think to to keep yourself in in an okay mindset. Uh, but I yeah. did a lot of work. I did a lot of work on 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 my mindset and also supporting my body in other ways to make sure that um, I got through as well as I could. So how did you cope with chemotherapy? Look, I think I, I, I coped pretty well. I mean, in terms of side effects and all of that kind of thing, I think I, I probably did uh, – I mean, I don't know whether it's it's one of those things with with side effects. I guess I never felt really unwell or, or nauseous. Um, I felt okay. I felt lethargic and t- a bit tired. I guess that was probably the worst of it um, for me. Um, I mean, I also lost, you know, I lost my eyebrows and eyelashes. Uh, I didn't lose all my hair, but my hair was very very thin, and I did lose. Some people put on weight. I lost quite a lot of weight when I was um, going through chemotherapy uh, yeah. and that, yeah, I look back now and think, oh, gosh, that was, yeah, I, I, it, it sort of made me look really probably not that well, I guess. Um, yeah. it, it sort of sucks. I, I feel like it, it does suck a bit of the vitality out of you and even though I felt quite well, I look back and I think, mm, I didn't look, I didn't look as well as I actually felt. Right. Um, but the, yeah, the, I, I, I feel like I, I was very lucky not to experience the horrific side effects that a lot of people do. I, I didn't, um, right. but that's not to say I didn't still notice a difference once chemotherapy stopped. I remember thinking a month afterwards, I could feel the life force coming back into my, into my body and my being I guess that hadn't been there and I thought oh right this is <laughs> this is what it feels like to be without chemo in your body <laughs> yeah, yeah because I guess you, you know you had your chemotherapy for so long and your body just gets used to it so then when you've completed your chemotherapy then you get your vitality back then you kind of realize what you you know what you didn't have more so yes exactly Exactly, that's really true, and um, and I also, you know, I, I I've got a friend who's who's going through breast cancer at the moment uh, in Melbourne, and her treatment is a little bit similar to mine, and yeah, she's she's had a different experience with um, Taxol. She's had some really horrible pain and cramps in her legs, and it's been you know awful for her. So it's just a reminder that all of us are completely different in kind of the reactions that we have to certain to certain drugs, and you just don't know what what what's going to happen for yourself. I think, yeah. and that was one of the things I was really conscious of when I was diagnosed. Was you hear so many stories from people, and a lot of them are really negative, and um, I was very conscious to step back from that and remember that this was my experience and my body and I really I didn't want to take on board other people's negative experiences too much I just wanted to see what was present for me and just be present with that as much as I could and um, my my oncologist was also very strong in you know me keeping up like I'm quite a healthy fit person so I kept up 
kept up my exercise during chemotherapy as well. And I, I made, uh, I guess I made myself, even if I was a little bit tired, I'd do quite a lot of high cardio, half an hour, you know, on the day I, I had chemo and the, then the day afterwards. And I felt, found that, oh, that, wow. really, that really energised me and kept me in a really good place. Um, and, I, and I noticed that if I didn't do it, I, did, I felt a lot worse. I think you're absolutely right. People's experiences with chemotherapy can be so different. Um, I, you know, one of one of my patients used to go to Zumba, you know, whilst she had chemotherapy, like you doing, you know, cardio, and she needed to do that, and it made her feel feel much better, you know, having done it. Whereas there are there are people who just can't, you know, can't get out because they're absolutely affected by the treatment. So it is very, you know, the experiences of people are very, very different. They really are. And I think that's the thing you've got to keep coming back to that this is your experience. And any way that you can try and make it more positive or find somewhere within the experience that gives you just something that will make you feel a bit better, that for me is it's really important to find moments in that treatment experience that can still give you some joy in life and I was really um, really focused on finding those that it wasn't just about getting through treatment to the other side for me it was about being present in the experience of of treatment and then also being present that there was still some really incredible incredible moments during a very challenging time and um so you know I kept a journal and wrote wrote a lot during that time because I felt like there was a lot coming up for me um during that time emotionally as well as what was going on physically and um it was really interesting I mean I at the time I just turned 47 and after I was diagnosed it was just this and look I don't know if it happens for everyone but I guess for the first time my you know I questioned my own mortality and the fact that I I never expected to be dealing with cancer at the age of 47 and and we don't exactly know where that's going to take us and so it sort of sent me on this I guess this internal kind of journey of looking back into my life you know old school diaries old relationships um you know old newspaper clippings letters that I'd kept so I just sort of started to go through all of this stuff in my life and wanting to make I guess meaning out of it you know did I mean something to this person or or that person and and what what was my life about what what had I achieved or what did I want to achieve or what did I want my life to mean and so all these questions started coming up for me and yeah it was it was it was a really it was a really interesting an interesting period. Your diagnosis and your treatment you know literally within a week happened and I'm just curious to to find out how you processed all of that because, you know, first of all, you probably hadn't really kind of digested the diagnosis um, internally. Um, And then before you knew it, you were already embarking on chemotherapy treatment, which, you know, in itself is, is a huge treatment. How did you cope with all of that? And you went on an emotional discovery, if you like. Do you Mm. think that that helped you and did that did the diagnosis trigger that journey for you that emotional mm. introspection for you yeah look i think i th- it's really interesting I, I don't even know whether i have ac- actually processed anything hugely now even i mean it's hard to know because because i stepped into treatment so quickly it it, it's almost like you just start doing, 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 and you're stepping forward into your treatment. Um, but I did feel I was doing 
quite a lot of work on the emotional side of it as well. And I did do, um, uh, you know, I had some some counselling and some energy healing and I saw a kinesiologist and I did quite a lot of meditation and visualisation and all those sorts of things that were really, um, really helped me. But, look, I think with processing, um, what I would say is, you know, it, it is about, it's traumatic. It's a trauma that happens and it happens really quickly. Those first two weeks was so, um, so crazy um, between diagnosis and starting treatment that, no, I definitely didn't have time to process a lot. But I then, I think in the next two weeks, I got to a place which I think was really useful for me was that I stopped looking at reasons for, you know, why did this happen to me and how could this happen to me and what did I do? None of that. I actually parked all of that and I got into a real place of acceptance that this was what what was and right. this was what was real for me was that I had been diagnosed with breast cancer and that I then felt that I could focus on my health and being healthy and looking at treatment as a way, as a component of that. And that I then also really wanted to look at my health more broadly in terms of how can I address and support my body during treatment with, you know, with diet and exercise and complementary therapies such as, you know, energy healing, um, looking at, you know, visualising things for me. And, look, I I even looked at it to a point where I, I became, I guess, I had this yeah, conversation, internal dialogue with, with, with my cancer and it was just a really, I yeah, I, I didn't feel like I was, fighting something I felt like this was something in my body that had happened and right. that it wasn't something to be frightened of really it was something to just accept and then deal with as as I went through treatment and went through the healing healing process and that for me felt good and and, in, and then I didn't feel so stressed at all I just I just I felt really sure that that was the right that was the right mindset for me to be in um, to give myself the best chance of yes being being in a yeah for getting through what I what I needed to and getting through to the other side your accepting your diagnosis happened pretty early on after your after your breast cancer diagnosis it did yeah it did but I and again this I, I sort of had a dream one night and it was very strange because I'm not I'm not I'm not religious but I guess I'm quite spiritual in some ways and um, yeah I sort of had a dream that death came to me and it was very weird and strange and it was a woman and we had this conversation and I just it was it wasn't fearful and I sort of woke up and I thought oh well like life is just so full of things that happen and experiences and this is one that I now I'm going to deal with and I don't feel frightened. I just feel actually very present and very actually you know, I did feel very grateful for my life at that point. I thought I've got so much and I'm right. very lucky in a lot of ways. Um and, and you, you felt that um through through your treatment. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. And I'm yeah. Um and look, I know a lot of people don't, and I don't. It's not. Um, it it it's just how I felt. Um, yeah. And, uh, but I think that came through a lot of, um, you know, meditation and journaling, and being really conscious in my own mindset as well. And have um, you always journaled and meditated? Not always, but I, I, I had been. It had been a practice of mine for quite some time prior to being right. diagnosed. So, I had been doing that kind of work for probably 
five to seven years prior to being diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah. Um, so I think that it that really it really helped support me um, right. to have those tools to use. And um, and the other thing that I was also really emotionally, I guess, very open and available with my experience. So I shared it a lot with with my friends and family and I also told them that I wanted them to be positive as well. I wanted them to, and not positive as in, oh, you're going to be fine or whatever, just to be, let's just make sure that the messaging is that I have breast cancer and I'm 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 doing this treatment and I'm I'm feeling positive about what I'm doing to get through rather than let's hear all the really negative stories and surround you in that and oh no it's the c word and cancer's this cuz really when I am um, when I was sort of starting to communicate my diagnosis it was really confronting because as soon as people hear the word cancer they think you're going to die um and that in itself is really difficult to manage when you're managing your own diagnosis so i i i sent people i, I sent people a text message beforehand to say this is what's happening um i need you to process and digest the information and I'm really happy to talk about it, but I don't want to have all this awful kind of negative discussion that I have to manage. Right. So, right. so that felt you, you communicated it via text to to your friends and co- work colleagues. How, how did you communicate it? Uh, um, so, so obviously, my my husband was with me, so he was with me when it all when I was going through all that. So obviously, we he was. Yeah, that was in person. And my children, I've got three sons and that was in person. And my parents um, as well, uh, I told in person. Um, But my my closest sort of girlfriends and and then, um, yeah, and then some of my, and my brothers, I actually put together a specific message that I sent them prior to having a conversation with them so that, They could, it could land with them first, and they could process it before, sure. yeah, um, having that making that phone call, and then having the person on the other end crying, or you know, all of the shock and all of that kind of thing. I, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to have to deal with that. Yes. So I, I made the decision that I wouldn't, and that I would get on the front foot and do it that way. And I think it, it actually really worked because right. I also gave them my feeling about the diagnosis and what I was hoping to do and how I was going to approach it as well and yeah. that I was positive and I played it down as well. I, I look back and I think, I, you know, I, I played it down, you know, got it early and, and, look, it was early but it was probably more I didn't want it to be, you know, I didn't want people to know how big the lump was or all of those things. Yeah. I just wanted it to be um, a bit more low-key. So. I, and I think that that for me really worked um, and made me feel like I had control of the messaging, which was important. And how um, how did your sons take it? Yeah, so my sons at the time were uh, 14, 13 and 10. Yeah, and look, that was, you know, it was really difficult. That was one of the hardest things to tell my, my sons because – yeah, you know that you're telling them something that's going to cause them pain and worry and as a parent you don't want to do that and I couldn't guarantee things for them either and uh, so I did find that difficult but my sons all handled it differently as well. My 14-year-old was really anxious and worried and upset about it and he um he, you know, he had some counselling and saw someone at school regularly to talk about it, which was really good. Right. And yeah, my my middle son, the thirteen year old, he he had a friend whose mum had been through cancer a few years ago, and so for him, he felt 
comforted by that because she got through her treatment and was doing really well and so he he was okay and my and again Hugo my 10 year old was he was very very funny because he was like oh mum you know you're so healthy I, I uh-huh. are you sure are you sure that you've got uh-huh. cancer and I was like, oh, I do. And he's like, oh, mum, you know what? You're going to be fine because you're like uh, the healthiest. You're the healthiest person I know. So he wasn't. He was like. He was sort of very. It was sort of that innocence as well um, in him. And so, yeah. But look, it was. It was. I really found. I found it difficult telling people the people that I love. That was. That was the hardest. One of the hardest parts of, of diagnosis was was doing that. Yes, I think you know telling telling anybody, but telling your children is probably probably the hardest thing you have to do. Yeah, ab- absolutely. But you know what? The best the best thing is when you can tell them when the cancer's actually not there anymore. And that yeah. for me was like an amazing day when I when I was able to do that. So then, after your chemotherapy, you had surgery. Yeah, so I had um I had chemotherapy. Uh, and then I had a month break uh, before I had a lumpectomy. And so in my instance, what had happened was I had a scan after I'd finished chemotherapy and the scan basically it came up that I'd had a complete sort of radiological response, which meant that oh, wow. That's amazing. Could, there was no, um, no cancer there anymore that could be seen through the scan. So that was, yeah, that was a really amazing day. That for me, if I look back, emotionally that felt like a really incredible moment when my doctor told me that that news, that it actually hadn't, you know, I didn't have cancer through the scan anymore which wasn't to say that I hadn't had a complete pathological response. We then would find that out when I had surgery. But what it did mean was that um, I was able to have a lumpectomy, you know, sort of an advanced lumpectomy, I guess. Um, So I was booked in to have that a month, a month later. And I had, I had a lumpectomy then. And that's when they tested all the, the tissue where the cancer was and did all of that and then took out some lymph nodes as well and did some sentinel lymph nodes and did some testing on those. Okay. And, um, yeah, so that then all came back saying that I'd had a, you know, a complete pathological response to the treatment, which meant that as far as they were, you know, concerned, everything was the cancer had gone and that was wonderful. Um, that's so that's, that's a really good good that's really good news isn't it that's really good yeah yeah look it really is it's it's an amazing it's an amazing outcome and when you hear those words for the first time you do, I mean I, I burst into tears in the doctor's office I was so happy and it, I, and that's when you realize that you do hold on to a lot of emotion over that time um yeah. and and to get to hear those those words is really yeah for me that was incredibly important but also yeah it felt like I had another chance of living I guess um that and then what you do with that then is kind of interesting as well because it changes your whole perspective it should change my whole perspective on what was important in my life anyway yeah and um yeah you sort of have a bit of a pivot which is a good thing um and then, and then, anyway, I then still had to go and have radiation therapy after that as well. Right. Um, and how long did you have that for? Three weeks. I had that for four weeks. So four I had, weeks. Yeah, four weeks of radiation therapy, and that that was fine. I, I I didn't have any side effects with radiation, so that was good. I didn't notice anything at all. Um, didn't have any skin problems. I, I we I had a fabulous. Um, naturopath here in Melbourne who specialises in um, oncology, naturopathy. So um, she supported me with my oncologist uh, with natural supplements through all my um, treatment as well and gave me some really good skincare regime 
whilst I had radiation therapy as well. So, uh, I, yeah, I didn't have any dermatitis or any issues. So that, yeah, radiation felt for me like a breeze compared to chemotherapy anyway. <laughs> and how was, um, how was work? What, what happened to your work? Well, so I was working in PR and marketing and I had been working uh, for the same company for sort of nine or ten years and I, I ended up during chemotherapy when I was doing the, the sort of the 12-week weeklies, I decided I was going to take a leave of absence until I'd got through my treatment, which was great. And then, yeah, I've actually just resigned from that job at the end of June um, right. and decided, yeah, I'm going to do something for myself now, not in PR, not in marketing, um, something Something that, like having had breast cancer, it given me some, you know, creative ideas for a new business. So okay. I'm just sort of working on that at the moment. So in That's a way, it has, it has changed my my whole <laughs> whole life in some ways. Yeah, it, it and I'm also with with in um, Australia. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month in in October. So I'm working on an awareness campaign for one of the the major consumer um, group representing um, breast cancer, the Breast Cancer Network of Australia. So I'm in a, involved in a campaign for them. So that's really good. I'm very passionate about uh, telling my story but also generating awareness around um, around the importance of knowing your own breasts as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's that's um, one thing I wasn't that aware of and didn't do a hell of a lot of self-checking and even though I know that you know self-checking obviously doesn't pick up um cancer uh all the time it's still important to know the texture of your own breasts and what sort of feels normal and different and and some people have much lumpier tissue than others uh and even though you know I I had a quite you know my lump was quite large but it really didn't even show up that much on one of the mammograms because I've got you know got very dense breast tissue so it's really interesting the yeah I think for me it just made me aware of this just often stuff going on in, in your own body that you have no idea of and it's really important to just make sure that you're keeping in, in touch with it um, yes, Definitely. I mean I think you're right getting to know your breasts is probably the you know one of the most important things that you can do because no one will know your breast better than yourself. And um, being able to know what's normal for you is really important. And, you know, women would say, well, you know, I don't know what I'm looking for. And that that's okay. But I think it, it's important for you to be able to know what is normal for you. And if there is a lump there, you, you'll probably find it really. But you're absolutely right, raising awareness of just getting to get people to to get to know what their breast feels like is really important. Yes, exactly. And I think the other thing here in Australia is that a lot of people are under this sort of false sense of security in that if you don't have, um, you know, a family or genetic link to breast cancer that you're kind of okay when really it's the opposite. Only, you know, less than 10% of breast cancer diagnosis have a family or genetic link and it's actually, yeah. you know, 90 plus that you know that 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 don't have a link and I I I know and having spoken to a lot of other women that even though that information is there people don't really know that so yeah so that's another kind of thing for me that became really apparent Uh, and the other the other I guess the other huge change I made in my life was I um I totally stopped drinking alcohol as well uh, and not not necessarily because I think um, you have to stop drinking if you're diagnosed with breast cancer, but I looked back over, you know, my, I guess, my drinking habits over the years and I felt that I'd had some problematic, I guess, what I'd call binge drinking. Right. And I I believe that for, you know, moving forward for my health, that it was better having now had a diagnosis of breast cancer as well, that it would be better to take it just completely off the table 
And right. so I, I decided to do that. So, yeah, I, I, in fact, I gave up drinking before I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So it, it, okay. it, it, I gave up a couple of months beforehand, but then it just sort of coincided and then I had was di- diagnosed and I thought, oh, okay, yeah, this is all making sense now. Yeah, and I haven't looked back. So, uh, and that's another that you know there is there are links with with alcohol usage and, and breast cancer as well. So yeah. that's another thing. I'm quite. I guess it's important to raise awareness around all these issues so that people know that you know it, 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 there there is there is a link. And w- whenever you're you know you're, you're drinking, that there is um, a risk, and there are risks. Alcohol's a you know carcinogen and. Um, it, it becomes very socialised in our society, and one of those things that are normalised. And uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Since I've stopped drinking now, I feel um, yeah, it, it, I have so much more time when I'm out. Not that I've had a chance to be out <laughs> because I'm locked <laughs> up in Melbourne. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good time not to be. Well, a good time, yeah. Um, yeah, well, uh, in fact, it's funny because a lot of people are drinking a lot more here because there's nothing else to do. You know what? That's true. <laughs> as well, I think. I think alcohol consumption has actually gone up because people are drinking more at home. So, uh, yeah, I, I remember the first things that happened here when when we went into lockdown and you go to the supermarkets and literally, you know, the alcohol shelves would be empty. But you know, bottles would not be on the shelves because people are buying them instead of going to the pubs because we can't go to the pubs. So, I think, like like in Australia, probably the same is happening here as well. Yes, no, definitely, definitely, it has been happening here. And there's a lot of ads around, you know, drinking too much. And oh, really? Yeah, yeah. They've, they've, I mean, I think probably because you can't go to pubs and buy alcohol the actual level of consumption looks to have gone down, but people are actually buying a lot more and drinking at home. So it's, sort of, it's a different type of drinking, I yeah. think. Yes, but no, not not for me this time. I've been, <laughs> I've been, and my and my husband's actually he's had like two months or over. He's decided he isn't going to be drinking as well over this time. So nice. we've been a very very sober household here, which has been nice. <laughs> I mean, obviously now it's been, you know, it's been a year now since your diagnosis. Um, Mm. And do you, you know, do you have ways or strategies to help you move forward with your life having had a breast cancer diagnosis? Yes, it's, it's, that's a really interesting, it's a really interesting question because I think and even once chemo stopped, it's it's like everyone assumes you're done and it's time to move on. And in a way, I think that's when it gets quite hard. Once treatment finishes, it's that whole feeling and it's the feeling that I'm getting quite often now is, you know, what has just happened in my life? Um, I don't feel like the same person that I was who started chemotherapy and treatment in August and but then you feel like people around you there have been sort of changes in relationships and friendships and certain things become so there's this whole you're adjusting to a whole new normal and people do want you to forget about it but then you're kind of in my mind I'm like well I don't want to forget about it because it's actually it has been traumatic, but it's also an experience that happened and I, I'm still processing it and integrating it into who I am. And it's almost like it becomes part of your DNA and that's who you are now and, and it alters who you are. Yeah. And you're still coming to terms with who that person is and it can be really confronting in some relationships and friendships as well, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I found it brought me much closer to some people but then some people just fell away and people I thought who were really important in my life just couldn't be there for me for whatever reason and now I'm like well I, 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 it feels almost like there's a gap too hard to get back to once you've been through an experience like this yeah 
but you know, for me, I think the greatest the greatest gifts that the experience at the moment has given me is a much greater presence in each day and in myself. So I actually every day feels super rich to me in a way that it never did before. And that's because I consciously am so happy to be alive. And I I really feel that each day now. I never, ever, you know, I, I guess you don't really appreciate sometimes the the life that you have and what living is and yeah. and how lucky you are to have that and so yeah. i really do feel that right now right in this moment and even the bad days even being in lockdown here in melbourne i still feel this immense sense of of gratitude and i guess the other thing is that there's just been so much joy i find in very small, ordinary moments that I never would have seen before. And, I, you know, I might have been looking too far ahead or wanting something else or wanting more, you know, material objects or whatever it is, but I, I don't think about that so much anymore. It's more about what's right in front of me and that that feels enough and it feels amazing and it's more for me about you know the the connections with people and what they are the really the genuine ones that I have in my life yes I'd much rather spend time on those and also even the purpose you know what 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 do I want to do with my life now what well, feels like I want to live more on it purposefully so and those all of those things have come you know, and these are all the questions that come into my life all the time now. Having had breast cancer, it's just it just that's the way it's landing for me. So it's um you know, I, I feel very I guess I wouldn't wish a diagnosis and I wouldn't wish cancer on anyone, but now that I have had it, I wouldn't change what's happened because it has given me a perspective and a depth in the relationships that I now have in my life that have enriched it to a you know a place that I never could have expected and also I've got to experience so much more love you know that I did not really not realize that was there but people showed me so much love over that time and I guess uh, I I really feel that now, and I make yeah. sure that I ta- I tap into that, and yeah. also that I focus on that in my own in my own heart as well. And the relationship with myself became really important because you go into some dark places with a cancer diagnosis, and you really have to look into your soul and look into yourself. And I think as confronting as that was. I also came up for air and thought, you know what, you're actually a pretty great person and you've got a lot you've you've yeah, you've got a lot to live for and yeah, you can make a difference in this world moving forward. And so yeah, I think for me, as I'm processing it all, it it is starting to yeah, that's how it's starting to land for me. Right. But then, you know, some but then, you know, some days, you know, in the lead up to the the year since I found the lump, I had a few really bad sort of emotional days where I was just like, oh, my God, I felt really, yeah, I, I, down, I guess, uh, yeah. just thinking about what had happened and that this time last year I had no idea that I was going to have cancer. And that I was none the wiser, you know. And I look back at photos on my phone and go, "Oh, that was on the twentieth of August. That was two days." And I didn't, you know, I didn't even know. And I look at that person and go, "Oh my gosh, who is she?" Gosh, <laughs> and it's only twelve months ago. Yeah, twelve months ago. Yes, you know, so many things have changed, and you know what you've told me. I think it 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 comes across that your diagnosis has actually impacted you in in so many ways and I guess you can say in 
quite a few positive ways. Would that be would that be fair to say? Yeah, completely fair to say. I strongly it, it, believe that it has impacted my life in more positive ways than negative ways. Uh, but that's my experience. Yeah. I'm. I know that it, that's not everyone's experience, but that's how I feel today at the moment. Yes, it really has made me appreciate a lot that I have and a lot that I can do. And yeah, I, I as I said, it's just this whole pre like it's there's all this talk about gratitude and presence, but until I, I and I I'd done a lot of work in that area, but until I've actually this actually experience of cancer actually made me really understand what what yes. that is. And yeah, I, I wake up every day and, and feel a it's sort of a different grounding in a day and I also focus so much on being happy with today, just what it, what is today. Today is just a beautiful day. I'm alive and it, it's great to be here and that, that I never did that before. Um, right. And even things like having a shower and washing my hair, I used to hate doing that when I was going through chemo because my hair would be coming out and, so now whenever I have a shower and I can wash my hair now, I just take a few moments to go, oh, my gosh, my hair feels so thick and beautiful again and that's yeah. a great, you know. Yeah, I yeah. never gave it a thought. But these, and even now my eyebrows. Yeah. Are just I mean, appreciating the little things in life. Totally. And you really can. There are so many little things. And we just got a puppy before I was diagnosed, a dog, and he – he was like the best company for me during my treatment as well because he kept me in the moment all the time, yeah. you know, walking and so happy and joyful. And and for me, he and I spent heaps of time together because I'd walk him a lot after I'd had chemo as well just to get a little bit of fresh air. And I, um, I look at him now and he has his real special place in my heart because we got him literally three or four months before I was diagnosed. And I feel like he, he came at just the right time as well. I've had to put actually a little thing across the door whilst I'm doing this interview because he'd try and get in to see what I was up to. <laughs> what, what, what breed is he and what's his name? He's, um, he's an English, he's an English copper spaniel actually. Oh, and he, his name is Ralph. And, yeah, he's a golden English copper spaniel. He's beautiful. Oh, he sounds really cute. Kath, you know, I've really enjoyed our conversation today and it's really quite clear from our chat today that you've taken your diagnosis and you've turned it into something positive and that's a, you know it's a really inspirational story and thank you for sharing your experience because I think people out there that either going through cancer treatment right now or having um, reached the other side may be inspired by your story so thank you so much for sharing it today. Um, if people want to find you, where should they go? Yeah, so I um, part of my, I guess, experience was I I had an Instagram account which was at Healing Breast Cancer, where I documented my journey, and then I also created a blog which was um, www.katharynelliot.com double t dot net which also it, my, my instagram and blog are sort of fairly similar in terms of the content great well i will definitely leave those links in the show notes so uh, so you know make sure that people can connect with you um so kath thank you so much once again for coming onto the podcast i really appreciate your time and thank you very much for sharing your story Thanks so much, Tasha. I really enjoyed it as well. Thank you. What a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much to Kath once again. And do connect with Kath um, on Instagram. You can find her at Healing Breast Cancer. And her website, once again, is www.katherineelliot.net. So that's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N-E-L-L-I-O-T-T.net. And if you'd like to head over to the show notes, uh, where I will also put up these links, it's at www.mybreastmyhealth.com forward slash episode 22. So thank you so much once again for listening. If you haven't done so already, do hit that subscribe button. 
And also, if you have a few minutes to spare, I'd be grateful if you could leave a rating and review. That would mean the world to me. And yeah, do connect with me on social media. And if you have any questions or comments, then I'd be very happy to connect with you. Thanks once again, and I'll see you in the next episode. Take care. Bye.